Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie, and this is episode number 54. Today is Monday, May 10th, making today's episode a mixed drink Monday show. I hope everyone had a great Mother's Day. Whether you are a mother, you'd like to be a mother, you have a mother, or I would rather you didn't have one, I hope it was a great day for you. It was a fabulous day here. Uh, nice and sunny compared to Saturday's massive rainfall. Seriously, guys, I mean massive. The little creek beside my house nearly bre- breached its banks and at one point was over two feet deep. Yikes! And as for Mother's Day, we enjoyed a lovely bottle of 2013 Estate Blanc de Blanc from Benjamin Bridge right here in Nova Scotia. So traditional made sparkling wine made entirely from Chardonnay. Um, and all of the grapes that are in that bottle were harvested in 2013. And it was fantastic. I'm not going to lie, it was great. Um, I also made a creamy scallop linguine for my mom. She seemed to enjoy that. And they went really well together. So, on to today's topic. Since we've covered the history, production, and different styles of gin, I'd figured today we'd talk about some common botanicals in gin and what characteristics they bring to the bottle they are in. So, without any further delay, let's jump on in. Now, every distillery has its own blend of botanicals for its gin. They may, in fact, have several if they have a range of gins or a range of gin products, which means that the world of gin botanicals is massive. And, I mean, if you can think it and it grows, you can add it to your gin basket and make it into gin. Um... Also, distillers are massively secret humans, and they may include some of their botanicals on the bottle, but they definitely aren't going to include all of them. Some botanicals also taste radically different post-distillation, so usually a distiller will create a small batch with a bunch of newly selected botanicals before going ahead with a big batch. Also, botanicals are natural, so it is entirely possible to have variations in flavor from year to year. So, just remember that though most distilleries do have their amounts dialed in, there will be slight variations from year to year depending on the botanicals. Totally natural, totally cool. Now, for our most classic, and indeed, the style-defining botanical, juniper. So, uh... Juniper is to gin what hops are to IPAs of the beer world. They are essential and they are required. Remember that the anglicized word for the Dutch, Genever, is gin. And Genever literally means juniper. Uh, It is a tiny berry that grows on the juniper bush, which is an evergreen. Um, There are hundreds of different varietals of juniper out there. So you can grow juniper yourself in your backyard if you like. It takes three years for the berries to fully ripen, but the berries can be used as green berries, as partially ripened or fully ripened berries to make gin. All of them will give different flavors to your gin though. Juniper is responsible for the pine or Christmas tree note so famously associated with gin. Fun fact, it was also thought to ward off bubonic, the bubonic plague, like juniper berries themselves, 
And doctors would stuff those funny little beak masks full of juniper fairies when visiting a sick household. So, very cool. We should all drink more gin because of that. The next most common botanical is coriander. So the dried seed from the cilantro plant. Not soapy at all, like cilantro itself. Um, it gives more of a spicy citrus note and sometimes even nutty notes. Coriander can also be used in a variety of cooking applications. Um, so you'll see it a lot um, kind of come up. Another common gin botanical is angelica. Well, more specifically, the root of the angelica plant, or commonly called the angelica root. This one is primarily used as a bittering agent. It's quite woody. Obviously, it's a root, um, so it's not soft or anything, and can also be found in the secret recipes of both fernet and chartreuse, which are both, um, as we've talked, liqueurs. It is very earthy and medicinal flavor tasting. Like I said, definitely just like a uh, bittering agent. Fun fact number two of the podcast coming at you right now. High proof neutral spirits can actually taste semi-sweet. I'm really not sure why that is because it doesn't matter what their base alcohol, like their base grain is. They all tend to taste a little sweet. Um, And there is a definitive sweetness difference between 80, 85, 90, and 95% pure alcohol. So... We use a bittering agent in order to counteract that sweetness. Alrighty, another common bittering botanical is orris root. It is actually the root from the the iris flower, sorry. Huh, very cool, right? Not only is it a bittering agent and it's kind of like little white rocks when you get it, it's also very perfumed, bringing a sweet floral aroma to the gin and also giving more earthy, woody flavors, um, very much like angelica root does. Cardamom is next, which you may know best for its role in both chai tea and curries. Um, I'm not sure that you could probably just call it an Indian spice, but it's not the only Indian spice out there, obviously. Um, but it is very commonly associated with a lot of Indian cooking and a lot of Indian food. It's also fantastic in cookies. Interestingly, it's both an antibacterial and anti-inflammatory. So more good things going into our bottle of gin as far as our health is concerned. In gin, though, it brings more of a medicinal characteristic, very similar to Angelica as well as providing a highly aromatic character that's really kind of hard to describe. Um, If you've ever had cardamom, it kind of is very similar to ginger, but it doesn't have that sharp note to it. Uh, It's just very tasty and quite yummy. Um, And like I said, it's very common to see cardamom in different gins. Um, And usually it's without its pod, so it's usually just the... um, the inside parts of it, the seed part. Um, but I have seen whole cardamom pods pods go into it before. Next up, we have citrus peels. Lemon and orange are definitely the most common, um, but you could really use anything. And they can be used either fresh or dried. So you can use a fresh citrus peel and have some poor schmuck out there peeling away at all the citrus fruit. Um, before it goes into your gin basket, or you can use it dried 
at which point some other poor schmuck has peeled it and dried it in a dehydrator for you. Both of these fruits give both bitter notes from their pith, aka the white part of the peel, and sweet, bright notes from the oils themselves. Uh, they tend to complement the juniper notes and give an added sweetness to the mixture. So when you're thinking there, um, dried citrus is going to give more of a bitter note, and fresh citrus is going to give you more of that kind of bright oil note, um, just depending on what you're doing. So from there, the world is our oyster. We can go with floral botanicals, things like chamomile, elderflower or elderberry flower, saffron. We can go more herbal notes like rosemary, lemongrass, lavender, and caraway seeds. There's kind of like the spice range, which includes things like cassia bark, cubib pepper, pink peppercorns, nutmeg, licorice, and grains of paradise, um, which are kind of like these really cool tall grains, which are neat. Oddballs like yuzu, um, spelled Y-U-Z-U, which is a kind of citrus. Um, kefir, lime leaves, honey, cucumber, and rose petals all make appearances in various gins currently on the market. Recently, purple gins have been making waves um, all over kind of the spirits industry, and um, they get their purple color by the addition of butterfly pea. Um, so they dry the little butterfly pea flowers and they make a tea with it. Well, it generally looks like a tea, and it dyes everything purple. These are super cool, and they change color, guys. So I highly recommend trying one if you haven't, um, and if you can find one. Um, up here in Canada, um, out here on the East Coast, one of my favorite people, um, Compass Distillers, makes one called Gin Royal. And then out on the West Coast, um, Empress Gin makes one as well. I am not sure what they have in other parts of the world, but I do know that it is quite a thing. So I'm sure you can find one that's local to you. Other weird, wacky, and wonderful things I've seen go into gin. Seaweed is a big one. Um, like I said, I live on the East Coast. The distillery I used to work for used a specific kind of seaweed called dulse. There's another distillery near us, um, another province over. They also use seaweed. And there's definitely multiple uh, distilleries in the UK that are using various kinds of seaweed in their gins. Chaga, so chaga mushroom, um, has I've seen it in one. It definitely turned the gin brown, but it was kind of cool, and it has a very earthy taste to it. Heather, um, so much like lavender, heather is a plant that grows um, kind of wild in Scotland. Cream, I saw this one come up. I was, I've was i never tried one with cream in it before. I have had um, vodka f that was the base fermentable sugar was cream, but I've never had it with cream in it. Um, so it could be cool, could be terrible, not sure. Frankincense, poppies, wormwood, coconuts, kind of cool. Um, the one with coconuts, I believe, also has pineapple in it. And then there's an Irish gin from Exiles, which has just made its way onto my must-buy slash find list, because I'm sure it's going to take me a while to find it, that uses the following, guys, shamrocks, 
clover flowers, honeysuckle flowers, rowan berries, and bog myrtle, which is like a shrubby sort of willowy bush. Um, super cool looking thing. So really cool. Like I said, guys, you can pretty much go hog wild when it comes to adding botanicals. Remember though, like I said, a distillery may list some of their botanicals. They probably won't list all of them and they will definitely never tell you which one has the majority after of course juniper um, or in what order they had them. I know, for example, Hendrix actually um, distills some of their botanicals separately and then blends them together to give a different flavor profile. So like I said, Distillers are notoriously secretive about their methods and recipes, with most having non-disclosure contracts um, with their employees. So it can be a little bit hard to figure out exactly what's in all of them. So with that, guys, we will wrap up another episode. I hope you found gin botanicals as interesting as I did. If you have a favorite gin, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to let me know what your favorite gin is, you can do that in a few different ways. You can drop me a message on episode 54's podcast page over on the website, which is drinkswithally.com. You can also click on the contact me form there if you have a question, comment, or show topic idea. I'd love to hear it from you. Uh, again, drinkswithally.com. You can send me an email directly if you don't want to use the contact form at drinkswithally at gmail.com. Remember, Ali is spelled A-L-I. And you can hook up with me on all of the social medias, Instagram and TikTok being the two big ones. There's also Facebook, MeWe, Pinterest, and Spotify. I am at drinkswithally on all of those platforms. I would love to hear from you guys and connect and grow our audience. So don't be afraid to hit like, leave a review, or share the podcast with somebody you know that loves drinks. So fill your glass with something tasty, guys. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>